Hey friends and welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I am your host, Wren, and I am so glad that you are here today. I pray that this is the place where you will feel encouraged by hearing God's stories from my friends that I share. Every time you download an episode of the Friends of a Feather podcast, I want for you to feel seen by God, to feel encouraged in your daily life, and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents He has given you. If this is the first time you've tuned in, or if you've been joining in for a while, you are welcome here. Okay, I want to tell you about what is coming up in less than a month on the podcast. I am hosting my very first summer series with my guest, Michelle Dyer. The topic that we are going to be talking about is the Enneagram, the personality typing system that everybody has been talking about. It's a hot topic. So what Michelle and I have done is we have divided up each of the Enneagram numbers, one through nine, and we are coming to you talking about all things that have to do with each personality typing number, Enneagram one through nine, and you will not want to miss this. We are talking about the things that are challenges for each number, but most importantly, we are talking about how the gospel can transform us regardless of what our personality number is. I personally have learned so much through the Enneagram, reading about it, learning how to relate to my friends, my family, and it has been a game changer. It has. I'll tell you, it's been a game changer. So if you go to the podcast app where you listen to podcasts each week or each day, if you're like me, if you will just click the subscribe button and you will not miss anything and all of the episodes will drop right into that app. Okay, let's get to today's episode. It is episode 83, and my guest is Audra Haney. Audra is wife, mom, and host of the 5-Minute Mom podcast. She is helping women claim truth, gain confidence, and walk in freedom. Even though Audra has interviewed countless women for her very own podcast, her first interview from the other side of the mic was with me. We connected so much that after recording, we swapped phone numbers, and we've been chatting most every couple days. Audra and her husband and two girls live in the beautiful area of Knoxville, Tennessee, pouring into the church where her husband is the missions pastor. I love Audra's openness in her past struggle with an eating disorder and the exciting yet unknown thing that God is leading her family to. And Audra has such a passion for others to know Jesus. To know Audra is to love her, and you will feel the exact same way after listening to our conversation together. Okay, here's episode 83 with my new friend, Audra. Welcome to the podcast, Audra. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I was just thinking I've done hundreds of podcast interviews, but this is my first time to be interviewed. So <gasps> I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you. I'm I like, nervous too. Oh, this is out of my cards. <laughs> I know. It's the shoes on the other foot, right? I get to ask you anything, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. I feel a little bit out of control, but it's good. Yeah, it's yeah. good. I'm, I'm all I'll pray it up, so we'll okay. see. <laughs> well, good. Well, thanks for coming on. I um, heard you on your podcast called the Five Minute Mom Podcast, and I loved it and uh, love your content and love your heart behind uh, each episode. And I'm just excited that you're here today. 
Thank you. It's such an honor. I love your podcast too. And I'm a listener as well. You're sweet. Well, I want to kind of go back. I know you have, we have a lot to talk about, but I want to go back to when you were a young girl and how you were, um, probably had something in your background that led you to get your broadcast journalism degree. (laughs) So tell me about that. Yeah. So I had a great childhood. I was raised on a 200 acre ranch. Um, we didn't own the ranch. My dad was kind of the ranch manager and for an older couple and my dad was a horse trainer. So that was, it was kind of like a storybook childhood. You know, we, we had all that land to run around on and um, had one Barbie doll that never got played with. Bless her heart. She just sat in the closet. Um, but my favorite thing to do when I was little was um, I had this big boom box. I don't I'm really dating myself. Oh, here. I know. Like, I'm totally you. 90s kid. I am too. Um, and the thing I would ask my mom for over and over, I, I don't know if y'all remember this, but uh, those blank cassette tapes, they yes. were like, they came in a package and you could like make your mixtape or you yes. could record. And so I would interview my friends and my brothers and I was always um, making little radio shows and I was always okay. writing, you know, that was uh, always in, you know, Anne of Green Gables. I, I don't know if any of my people are out there, but they're yes. like, oh, you're that kind of kid. So that was my favorite show. I was always writing. And, um, but that was it. I just loved talking to people, hearing their, I love stories. I just yes. love, and no one writes a better story than God. And so I feel like there's so many great stories to tell in the world. And um, so that really piqued my interest. And um, that just kept growing in me. So I was doing journalism by the time I was um, in high school. Actually, wow. as a freshman in high school, my journalism teacher um, was really crucial in seeing my potential. And so mm-hmm. as a freshman, she invited me to be on the newspaper staff, which was um, kind of unprecedented. And uh, I just so appreciate her uh, pouring into me. We did, I laugh about this. This makes me sound really nerdy, but I'm glad I did it. We did journalism competitions like in high school. Yes. So <laughs> I don't know if you'll remember it. those. They're like UIL and oh. you would like go on a Saturday and they would put you in a room uh, with a bunch of other writers and they would give you like a sheet of paper with like a pretend news story with all these quotes and facts and you had to write a news story out of it. So oh, be- neat. So, I, that is so neat. I love that. I don't know how helpful it is now, like a fictional mm. piece of paper with some quotes <laughs> on it, but um, but I do think it, it helped me a lot. Um, I tell people now, I've, I've been doing it so long, I can hear conversations and sound bites and I'm like, oh, that's the sound bite I need or that, that's you know, so It's like, you know, it's audio for me, but I also can kind of visually see this story too. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but um, so good. So yeah. And I ended up going to the university of Missouri for their broadcast journalism program. And I, um, found out that I hated the newsroom. (laughs) That's a whole other story, but, um, and you know, as a, this, and I don't know if this will speak to someone, but when I got into college and had poured all this energy and effort into journalism and my sophomore year, I felt God very clearly call me into ministry. And I remember going to my parents on summer break and being like, that's it. 
I'm going to be a missionary. I'm quitting school. I'm going to move to some country and not wear shoes. And uh-huh. and they're like, well, we don't think you've prayed about that, have you? And uh, <laughs> let's think it through. Let's pray a little more. And once I started praying, I felt like God told me to stay. And I don't know about you guys, but staying is sometimes harder for me than going. Mm. And um, so that those last couple of years in school were really um, challenging for me because I thought, why in the world, if I'm going to be doing ministry, do I need a journalism degree? I'm never even going to use it. Wow. <laughs> and so now when I get up and I do what I do every day and every job since college, every single day I've used that degree um, to do ministry in a way that I could have never imagined doing because of technology and the way that broadcasting has really changed in the last 15 years alone. Yeah, it has. It has. I love how you said how you sometimes it's harder for you to stay and it's easier for you to go and see that's funny because I guess it's different personalities because it's easier for me to stay and harder for me to go. So I love yeah. that, that God but knows he, yeah. <laughs> he knows each individual personality and what he was telling you at that time in college. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, let's let's kind of go with that because now you are um, married. You have two girls. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what your husband does and how um, you have played a part in that as his wife, as being a support to him um, and maybe kind of dispel a myth that we <laughs> might have of being a pastor's wife as a, as I know he's a missions pastor uh, at a church. Can you dispel yeah. a myth that maybe we would have of that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's, probably a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about what we do first. So my husband is a global missions pastor, and we are serving right now at a a wonderful church um, called North Star Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. And um, so what we do is really encourage people to go, um, just to serve not only globally, but locally to, you know, kind of get out of your bubble and serve others, which I have just learned so much about God when I get out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And when I serve that, sometimes it's so much more about God changing me than maybe changing a situation that I'm I'm going to serve in, in you know, on a Mm -hmm. mission trip. And so, um, yeah, I've I've served internationally and and locally. Um, when Corey and I got married, this is actually a cool testimony. But he was in software sales, wow. <laughs> and he felt this overwhelming call to ministry. And so we started praying and asking the question, like, what's the next step? Is that seminary? Is that you know, um, quitting our job? What does that look like? And um, just, it's a very kind of a detailed story, but out of the blue, um, our missions pastor at our church, who we didn't even know that well at the time, um, said, hey, Corey, I know that you have your master's degree in nonprofit management, and I'm looking for someone to serve on my mission staff. I don't even know if you'd be interested. And it was the wording, the title down to the detail was what my husband's holy discontent was, which was anti-trafficking and orphan care. Mm. And, um, but again, it's really funny because now that we have children, my husband goes on some incredible trips. He's He's been on um, several trips uh, this last year, and he's about to head off to a trip that includes India, Thailand, and Southeast Asia. And 
Um, so he serves in some hard places. He's yeah. been to Egypt and, um, and it's funny because I'm the one staying again, at least in this mm. season. I did get to go to Thailand last December for an anti-trafficking trip, which is really my my heart cry these days. But um, it's it's harder to say and stay and serve. Um, but I think I'm just learning that God is in those big moments when we decide to board a plane and go mm. to a country where we don't know the language. And God is in those small moments Um I jokingly say when I'm folding the missions pastor's underwear and putting them up, you know, <laughs> he, we can serve um, in little ways and in big ways. And I think it all comes down to obedience. Mm. Um, we can't use the excuse of, oh, well, I'm, you know, I got to be here with my family if God is calling us to go. And we can't go if God is calling us to be with our family. And, mm. um, you know, we say all the time that the safest place to be is in the center of his will. And um, it doesn't mean that we won't suffer or go through hard things, but that is the best place to be is just uh, in the center of his will and seeing him move. And so we love what we do um, because we see God moving and the gospel shared in other countries. And we see our um, church members radically changed through what Mm -hmm. they're doing. And so it's a joy. It's an honor. Um, some pastor wife miss. Yeah. You know, I, because I, I didn't grow up thinking, I think maybe there's women who are raised by pastor. I, maybe mm. not, but they think they're on that track. Like they go to seminary right. to meet a pastor or, and yeah. I just wasn't on that track at all. Right. And so sometimes I laugh that, um, I am a pastor's wife. Um, mm. yeah, we definitely don't have it all together. We have our mess and our junk and uh, just like everyone else and we're just people, you know, yeah. and it's, uh, you know, the, we're not spiritual all the time. And, uh, <laughs> we, and I think here's the thing that I would encourage, um, for those who want to encourage staff wives is, um, just love on them and fill them up as much as you can um, because they're pouring out a lot. And our church does a really good job on that. Um, They are constantly encouraging our family and pouring into me and then also do fun things with them. Like it doesn't have to be overly spiritual, everything you do with your pastor or what. Sometimes they just want to go laugh and have a good meal or do Mm -hmm. something silly. um, And that fills our tank up as well. So Mm, that's (laughs) that's good. No, those are practical things. And I love that. Well, and I think, um, I love what you said also about being called that you have been called to do this, um, to be a pastor's wife, but to be um, involved with him. And I think that is just a huge support to him and encouragement to him that that's your heartbeat as well. And how God has just totally put this, the pastor calling you and saying and calling your husband and saying, hey, here, here's what I need you to do, what I would love for you to do. And it being exactly what your heartbeat is. And I think that's so God, you know, to do that. It is. It is. And it it looks different on some days than I thought it would. And maybe in a different season, you know, we dream about the day where, you know, maybe our kids are older and we can both go on the trips. I'm really looking forward to that. But for now, it's um, just a great joy to um, support. And um, I've found as much fulfillment in that as I have actually having boots on the ground. Wow, that's great. Well, and kind of take me through that. We just chatted about this right before we started recording about um, that y'all are going through the process of being foster care parents. Tell me a little bit how that, um, what that has looked like for y'all. 
Absolutely. Um, we said this could only be God mm. <laughs> because we finally got our kids sleeping through the night. <laughs> My girls are four and two and we're kind of in that sweet spot, you know. Yeah. And um, mm. so it, it's really interesting because I was like I was sharing with you before we started the call that this is um, something I literally said I will never foster, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. and um and God is so gracious because I don't think he punishes us when we say that. I think he's not like, oh, I'll show you. But mm-hmm. I think he's gracious to gently work on our hearts so we don't miss out on something incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us, we have always had a heart for adoption. And it's really interesting because um, we kind of felt like when our daughter turned about a year old, our youngest Um, that we both felt on the same page. We felt unified that now is the time to kind of move forward with the process of adoption. And so we went to um, a traditional adoption meeting to kind of go the traditional adoption route. And we thought, okay, this is it. It's going to check all the boxes and we're going to get this started. And we left that informational meeting and nothing felt right. Nothing Mm -hmm. hit home, nothing, even international adoption or domestic adoption, nothing felt right. And it was really jarring to us. And so we decided just to wait and pray and say, God, this is such a hard call. This is so countercultural. This is going to, you know, really challenge our flesh in a way um, that we need to know this is from you. And we need to know that we know this is from you. And so um, a few weeks later, I was talking to a friend and Um, she had fostered both of her children and went on to adopt them. And she said, there's so that Knox County, the county that we're in is one or this area at least is, um, almost number one, if not maybe number two, um, in the United States for NAS babies, which is babies that have been exposed to, um, opioids or other kind of narcotics. Um, and so they're having withdrawal in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And she said, there's so many babies right now that, um, they've had to open up a second NICU, Mm -hmm. um, at children's at UT hospital. Mm -hmm. And, then she went on to um, kind of I, I later had someone share with me that there's so many there's such a need that children were sleeping in the social workers homes. And I just couldn't yeah. shake that, yeah. you know, as much as I wanted mm-hmm. the convenience of a traditional adoption or having maybe even doing things um, an easier way. I couldn't shake that need. And knowing that that was 10 minutes from our house, that hospital mm-hmm. and so um, we prayed again and said, okay, Lord. And my husband was a little more hesitant about foster care. And we said, Lord, please make it abundantly clear. clear. Yeah. And on the day we prayed that, that night at dinner, we sat next to, on accident, the head of Tennessee Kids Belong wow. <laughs> for foster care. Wow. And then every day since then, it's like God gently stalked us with it. And mm. everywhere we go, we hear conversations. And so the final straw for us was, we said, well, let's just look up where classes are in January. I mean, we may not go, but let's just look them up. And yeah. they were they were hosted at our church. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you're like, okay, confirmation again. <laughs> yeah. But what I was, I was sharing before the call is my hesitation for foster care was um, I could never give a child back that I've grown attached to. That would just be too hard. That would wreck me. And God really started dealing with my heart and giving me a heart for the birth mom mm-hmm. and um, the despair 
and the hopelessness and the discouragement that I would feel if some if the state had to come and take my child away um, for an addiction or, you know, just a lack of someone pouring into me and showing me how to be a good parent um, without the hope of Christ. I don't know what kind of parent I would be. And so God began to just slowly teach me that if you can reunify a child with their parent, that means I've healed them uh, in a way where that, that child can be with their birth mother. And that is something to celebrate. Um, and if God opens the opportunity for us to adopt, that's something to celebrate as well. But really having a heart for the birth mom. And God just took me from a really selfish place for what's easy, you know, what's easy for me to uh, how can I glorify God and pour into others through this pro- process and meet a need that that's right in our neighborhood. Mm, that's amazing. That's amazing. And I love that y'all were in tune to what the Lord wanted. And even though at first it was, you felt <laughs> as a selfish thing, but how uh, just each step drew you closer to him and gave you that peace. It's not like you're being forced to go. You desire this and God is given you the desires of your heart because you have delighted in him and he's changed your heart. And so I think that's beautiful. Hey friends, I know that you are enjoying hearing Audra today, but I wanted to jump in here and say thank you to this week's episode sponsor, Pearl and Rose Designs. One of my very first interviews was with Shelby Vafinas, and she is the most kindest, bubbliest person. She is the owner and creator of all things in her Pearl and Rose Designs shop. We eventually met in person, and I just love her. She's such a gift to me, and she has such a passion for creating. If you're looking for freehand creations made with love, be sure to check her out at Pearl and Rose Designs. Shelby has been drawing by hand and exploring hand lettering ever since she could hold a pencil. After majoring in mass communications and minoring in art in college, she worked in the nonprofit and corporate worlds where she was called upon to use her artistic skills. Once she became a mom staying home with her twin girls, whose middle names are Pearl and Rose, friends encouraged her to submit her lettering work to a local stationery shop here in Memphis, and she has been filling custom orders ever since. To check out her inventory of prints and canvases, go to etsy.com slash shop slash Pearl and Rose Designs. And follow along with Shelby's current projects and updates on Instagram and Facebook. All right, back to the show. I love, I want to go back because I I did hear something on uh, or see it on your Instagram about um, your struggles with eating disorders. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I want to ask you about, like, do you look back in your childhood or your teenage years or college years and and see where it kind of started? Is there a time where you could look back at that? Oh, yeah. So um, I think even in early childhood, um, we all kind of latch on to coping mechanisms, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I have the most amazing family, but even with just birth order being the middle child, you know, mm-hmm. there's always kind of the need to uh, be seen or to please people. And yeah. so, um, you know, I think that people pleaser in me started very early in childhood. But as I think it really came to a head in high school. Um, and for me, 
it's really interesting because in society, um, there's certain behavioral things that are frowned upon and some that are kind of applauded and we don't really address. And I think for me, um, in high school, it just became like a need, um, a deep seated need to perform and be perfect. And so sometimes I even look back at my yearbook at all the clubs that I was the president of and all the things that I was in and all the things that I was leading out. And most of those were very good, but I feel sorry for that girl, that Mm -hmm. senior um, version of myself that felt like she needed to do all of those things to have approval. Mm -hmm. And it's not really something in our society that we see as damaging. Um, And maybe it didn't start out that way, but it slowly began to grow um, that my worth, my acceptance, my um, kind of value as a person is determined on how my performance and how things look on the inside instead of my spiritual health on the inside. And so and I did know Christ and. Um, I did have a relationship with him, but I hadn't really let him heal some heart issues that I had going on. And um, when I left for college, it really came to a head. And I went 12 hours away from home, and I was a young college freshman. I just turned 18, Mm. and um, I was I was performing with the marching band, which which I loved, and it was so much fun. Um, but I was performing in front of like eighty thousand people every weekend, wow. and uh, and body image was a huge part of that. And yeah. you know, when you're a freshman, everyone tells you don't don't gain the freshman fifteen, don't mm, do this, don't yeah. do that. And I really think I had so much underlying fear and anxiety, and um, even maybe a little bit of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, from leaving home, from being uh, kind of in a new place, not having the support system that I used to have. I did not get plugged into a local church. I mean, it wasn't, you know, I kind of grew up in the Bible Belt in a strong church under strong preaching. Then when I went to the Midwest, it just, it wasn't that strong in that culture at the time. I'm sure if I really would have dug, but it wasn't um, in your face like it was where I grew up. And so um, my freshman year, I... I tell everyone, I really believed the lie from the enemy that if I could just make everything look right on the outside, I would feel better on the inside. Mm -hmm. If I could just control my weight or the number on that scale or the way I felt um, about my body, then these this anxiety attacks or the things that I'm feeling, everything else will be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it was an amazing process because... um, God began to heal me. I tell everyone he healed me and and I'll back up a little bit. So I started, you know, the the cycle of bulimia as a freshman. So we kind of had the dorm and I, I found like there was a, a basement bathroom and I, it was nobody was ever down there. And so I started, you know, purging my food or I would not eat for several days and then binge and kind of got in that cycle. And it really consumed I think the sad thing is it consumed my thoughts twenty four seven. You know, there wasn't mm-hmm. Like I'm enjoying this college experience or I'm focusing on my learning and I did well in school, but it was like, what's my weight this morning? And, you know, it, it, it was all consuming. And uh, what did I eat today? And if I did well, it's a good day. If I didn't, it's a bad day. And there was no freedom. Um, and there was no care or nurturing or kindness to my own body. And so I tell people that um, Jesus healed me both instantly and he also took a very long time. And and what I mean by that was um, one day when I was purging, I just felt the Holy Spirit say so clearly in my heart, I don't want you to bow down to a toilet ever again. 
because I had made that my eye and I'd made that the thing that I was literally getting on my knees and going to, to be my solution. And, um, God knew that that was bringing death and not life. And so that behavior, um, that ended immediately when I heard the Holy Spirit say that. And I began to seek out help. And I would say over the process of about four years, um, the Holy Spirit did a deep transformational work in my heart to really show me um, what was at the root of that eating disorder. And I tell everyone when I work with young women or um, even with my audience, I share sometimes that I always say this little saying, which is the fruit is not the root. And mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is I think we get really good and maybe you don't have an eating disorder, but some kind of addiction or something you're struggling with, maybe anger or um, just, you know, the, those things that crop up in our life and they create this really ugly weed in our life. And um, I remember in a house I owned in Nashville, I had this beautiful rose garden. I had this massive weed that kept popping up and I kept whacking it down, you know, and I'd Mm -hmm. whack it down and whack it down. And then I realized, man, I'm going to have to dig really deep to get to the bottom of where this is originating. And I think with our sin patterns, um, Jesus wants to take you to the very bottom of that, where that seed or that lie or that thing planted and originated in your heart and pull that up from the very root. And when he began to show me my identity in Christ and that my value and my worth wasn't based on how I'm performing or what I'm doing or how I look or if I'm number one or the last (laughs) place in whatever Mm. Um, he began to show me my value and my worth in him. And um, I fell in love with the word of God during that time. I'd always been reading the Bible, but that Bible from that period of time in my life, it literally fell apart. I mean, it is mm. Philippians could would pop yeah. right out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, wow. and so that's the time in my life. So um, it was a horrible decision on my part, but I'm so grateful for God, how God used that. And um, I really just encourage others to um, don't just keep trying behavior modification, but really sit down with the Holy Spirit and, and let him do a deep heart work. Mm, and I um, and I think you'll be amazed. And today I can honestly say I'm kind to my body. Mm. Um, I have freedom in my body and um, I don't wrestle with food. I don't enjoy mm. food to the full, but I yeah. don't um, abuse food. Mm. And um, there is... I don't really even think about it that much, which is a a miracle because it consumed my thoughts. And so God is so faithful and he can do immeasurably more than you can ask, think or imagine. And so keep working for that freedom and believing him for that. Yeah. Well, and I, I was talking to a friend the other day and she was saying, you know, God can handle when we come to him with all of that, with all our mess. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I went through a time of anxiety and I know what you're talking about when you talk about your your thoughts are consumed 24-7 with that thing, whether it is an eating disorder or anxiety or um, depression or whatever it is, is that God can handle your questions and God can yeah. handle when you're just a mess. He can handle it. He wants you to come to him. And I think that is, um, I think that's so good that he has totally healed you of that and that, you know, it starts. And I was going to even ask you is, do you feel like it started as something, as a thought in your head, and then it just went from there. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with my personality, you know, I'm like full force ahead on things. And mm-hmm. so when you come into agreement with a lie, um, especially me, like, okay, this is it. This is the answer. But it's not in line with the truth of God like that. Yeah. It, it really just started. Um, and, you know, and I'm not blaming this person. This is this is my junk and my lie. But I had one. And, and this is an encouragement both to watch our own words and to watch how we're speaking to others. Because mm-hmm. um, in my freshman year, I had um, a, a coach or an older lady um, at the university make a comment and compare my body to like a previous um, girl who had been a baton twirler there. And, uh, and it, it, you know, it was like a moment, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't the cause. Right. But it, it definitely it added, to it. added to it. And so mm-hmm. I'm as an adult now, I think we can be careless with our words and as an adult and, mm-hmm. you know, even as children. Yeah. But I'm constantly watching, like, what am I speaking into people's lives? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's obviously not it wasn't, like I said, not the cause, but it definitely accelerated some of the lies yeah. that I was believing. Yeah. Well, and I'm going through a study right now just this week in a group that I'm a part of is a Bible study group. And it's all about the enemy's life. Lies. And you have to first recognize mm-hmm. the lie. That's the first thing. Absolutely. And, and you know that that the battle is won or lost in the mind. And so Absolutely. what would you say to a woman that either is struggling with this or struggling with something that she just doesn't feel seen, especially mm-hmm. not by God? What would you say to her? I would just say, don't give up. Um, and, and I know that sounds like the textbook answer, um, but just keep digging in. The greatest gift that I've taken away from that season in my life is deep intimacy with God. Mm-hmm. I know what His voice sounds like. I know how to dig into the Word. I know where to go um, for truth and the standard for my life and my spiritual identity. And um, But there is a work to it, especially in the beginning. You know, like we are renewing our mind and and um I did an interview with Haley Morgan, and she wrote a book called Preaching to Yourself. Mm -hmm. And she has a chapter in there that talks about our physical brains start to change. And so you have to kind of do, and I remember praying to God, I'll keep doing my end if you'll keep showing up, you know, Mm -hmm. and there was a time, like I said, it took three or four years. um, And at times it felt hopeless. At times I didn't feel seen. At times I felt like he wasn't doing anything. But he did, and he will. And I, you have to move away from the emotion of what you're feeling about God into the truth of God that is found in the Scripture. And um, and just tell him, I'm not going to give up, God. I'm going to keep pressing in um, if you'll keep showing up for me, too, and, and knowing that he will. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I could talk to you all day and we could just continue <laughs> so this. But fun. I love what um, what you share on the podcast. Tell us how really quickly of how you started the podcast, The Five Minute Mom. I love the slogan that you have. That <laughs> yeah. It's uh, The tagline is real life, real faith, real fast. Yeah. So um, we were laughing before the show started. I mean, I laugh all the time. I am made for such a time as this because I can work in my yoga pants (laughs) in my closet. (laughs) I get to use my journalism degree. I love the time in history that we're living in um, that, you know, people can broadcast from their homes and share the truth of Christ and amazing content and for $200 mic, you know, (laughs) exactly. right. It's amazing. Um, But I, um, 
Um, I worked for the Christian Broadcasting Network after I grad- graduated for college, and um, I still technically work for them. I, I help edit scripts, and they're like family to me. So I'll probably be working for them when I'm like 90 years old. I love them. <laughs> um, and so I help edit scripts and occasionally write some scripts for them. But um, I also worked for an amazing uh, Christian children's book company called Graham Blanchard. And if anyone's yes. looking for yeah, I've board heard books. That. Yeah. Um, they really cater to kids zero to five. And I feel like God brought um, that company and the CEO, Callie Grant, into my life. My, my daughter was probably six months old when we connected. And so she has poured into me as a mom spiritually um, in a profound way. But I helped her start a podcast. And um, we did a series for expecting parents. And um, there's probably about 40 episodes up right now that I did for them. Uh, and it's kind of like a little mini series that if you're expecting, you can go through and get some great grounded spiritual advice. But I was hooked on podcasting when we finished that up. And I felt like God was really um, impressing on me to start my own thing, which was really interesting and made me feel very vulnerable Mm -hmm. and very scared and Mm -hmm. had lots of layers to work through on that. I was really different putting my own name on it. And so the enemy told me several lies. You don't have anything to say. And then when I started writing, the enemy started saying, well, no one will listen. And then when people started listening, he started saying, well, why should they listen to you? And every time I've just um, kept going to Jesus and saying, you must be the one asking me to do this. And so I'm believing uh, that there's a purpose for this. And But um, I called it the 5-Minute Mom podcast, and I chose that tagline because I don't know about you, but I've got little kids in the home and I try to listen to podcasts and I could never get through them and it would drive me crazy. And so part of my background was um, interviewing in a really concise way and writing in a really concise way. And I thought, Mm. this is a gift I have. This is something that God has developed in me where I can can do an interview or I can edit an interview or it's really quick. It's really focused. And um and this is something that moms need. And so um, yeah. it's been a joy. It has filled me up so much. And just hearing stories, and you know this, Ren, but I think all the time, I'm, I'm doing this work alone in my home, but yet the Almighty God, Creator of the universe, is meeting people on the other side mm-hmm. of it yeah. and meeting them at the exact right time and telling them exactly what they need to hear. Yeah. And only God could do that. And so mm-hmm. it's just a blessing to be a tiny part of that miracle that He's doing. Mm, I love it. It's great. I love your guests that you have. And I just love how um, fluid the conversation is and just the truth that comes out of it. So I I just so love much. it. Well, um, three little quick questions before I let okay. you go. But I want to know, what are you eating? It's my re- eat, read, love segment. And so what are you <laughs> eating? What are you reading? What are you loving? Okay, eating. So this is funny to me because with a two and a four-year-old, I'm like, mm, it's pretty, it's pretty bland. I have spaghetti. And, yes. But one, one thing I'm eating that's kind of funny is I, I do not love vegetables. I wish I, wish I did. So I'm, um, I'm actually, this is kind of the only weird, interesting thing I can think of is I'm taking a, uh, it's from Garden of Life, and it's like a super green energizer powder that oh. I put in orange juice, and it tastes terrible. <laughs> But it's really healthy for you. So that's kind of my go-to weird thing thing that I'm eating right now. I do gluten-free, so that's interesting. Uh Yeah. So some gluten-free stuff and that. So that sounds very sad. No, no, it sounds healthy. (laughs) That's great. I love the the powerful orange juice 
drink powder. It sounds really healthy. That's yes. good. Okay, um, what are you um, reading? I am reading the best book, and I cannot remember the author now that I'm up here oh, in my recording okay. studio. Um, the the one thing I love about podcasting is I'm reading so many books for guests. I know that yes. you've probably experienced yes, that. It's, it's so fun. It's, it's forced me to be like a voracious yes, reader. Yes, me with, too. Me yeah. too, right? I have grown so much. And so um, there's been some wonderful books out um, that I've read just this year that are actually coming out in the spring. The one I'm reading right now that's not related to the podcast is called Friendship Counseling. And I mm. think everyone should um, get this book, whether they're in ministry or not. Okay. Um, but the subtitle is, um, I'm trying to think of it exactly, basically, um, Jesus's model for speaking life-giving words to people, hurting Mm. people. And so I feel like in ministry, um, we've talked to and ministered to and counseled a lot of hurting people, but I'm not a certified Christian counselor. And so I just wanted something to feel a little more equipped. Um, and I think it's a great book for, um, even if you're a lay person or you're meeting with friends a lot, or if you have a friend that's suffering Mm. and, um, it just talks about one thing I love, the angle I love is he mentions, we want to lessen the suffering that people are going through. Mm. Um, but Jesus wanted to help them glorify God through suffering Mm. and God accomplishes a lot of amazing things through suffering. It really is his, Mm. um, vehicle for making us look more like Jesus. And so, yeah, we're not called to lessen the suffering. We're called to help them look to God and glorify God through suffering. And so yeah. it's been a powerful little read and um, great. highly recommend it. Yeah. Lots of scripture. Mm-hmm. I'll have to get that for sure. Okay. What are you loving? Uh, well, I mentioned before, I love the ages of my kids. That's yeah. one thing I'm really loving right now. Um, I'm really loving. I just joined um and I, I get no kickback on this or anything. I just joined, but it's um, She Works His Way. I did an interview yeah. with Michelle Myers, and okay. I just joined the community. Oh, and, good. you know, with starting the podcast, I'm a writer mm-hmm. and I have a journalism background, but I feel like you kind of have to be like a makeshift entrepreneur as well. Yes, and, you do, right? And entering this space and knowing, okay, this is my ministry, but it's also a business. And mm-hmm. I have felt very alone in that and very mm-hmm. much not how, you know, I really wanted to make sure I glorified God through it, but it's a business. So yeah. what does that look like? And um, I adore Michelle Myers. I Everything she writes, I just say amen out loud to. And mm-hmm. so um, it's like a $15 a month subscription. Okay. And if you have a business or if you're in ministry, um, it always refocuses me on the truth of scripture and what God, you know, it's very countercultural. What is mm-hmm. God calling us to do as business women in the market? And mm-hmm. so, um, that I highly recommend great. that if you're in that space in any capacity. Yeah, that's great. Well, where can people find you online? So my website is just audrahaney.com. And if you have the podcast app, just search for the five minute mom podcast. That's where most of my content is. And then on Instagram, I'm um, at, at the five minute mom podcast. So I just changed that from my name the other day. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I thought it was great. So I know that you also, if someone is interested in podcasting or they don't know really where to start, yes. you also 
offer, um, you offer consulting for podcasting. Yes. And I love doing this. This fills me up so much. I'm actually editing for a few people. A lot of people have great content and great message. They know how to record, but they're like, I don't want to mess with editing. So I do that for some clients. But um, anyone who's like, I would love to do this for my business, for my ministry, just reach out on my website or on Instagram or um, whatever's easiest for you. And I'll, I'd love to help um, anyone start a new podcast. It's a fun time in history right now. That's great. I love that. Thank you so much for spending time with me today, Audra. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Maybe we'll get together in real life. uh, (laughs) Since we're both in Tennessee, we're quite a few few hours away, but we are in Tennessee. So maybe we'll be able to meet in person one day. I would love it. Anyway, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it so much, Audra. Cheering you on. Oh, you're sweet. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Don't you just love Audra? Don't you feel like you could be your BFF? We have talked over on Marco a bunch since recording this. And I think every time we do a Marco Polo message, I think we both, either one of us or the other one says, I'm so glad God brought us together. I'm so glad we have each other. It's been really neat to connect with Aldra. So remember, you can find all the show notes, all of the things we talked about on my website at wrenrobbins.com. I am over on Facebook and on Instagram at Friends of a Feather Podcast. I would love to connect with you over there. Remember, we're all friends of a feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends. Thank you.